0: My name is Rick Sherman, those of you that don't know me. Today we are concluding our series on judges. Okay, so quick recap. We talked, Doug talked about Ehud, uh, Micah talked about Deborah, Brady talked about Gideon, and last week we talked about Jephthah. Uh, All different judges with various um, states of good and bad in them. But today, today we meet Samson, a man of integrity, a man of discipline, a man of honor, a man of reason and a man of purpose. Samson is none of those things. <laughs> Zero. Don, you said you grabbed the short straw when you got Jephthah. I'm not sure the Samson straw is much longer. I have been studying Samson, oddly enough, a little bit here recently. I have found no redeeming quality. Samson is in, <clears throat> is in Hebrews 11. Samson. So let's take a look at him. Before we go to God's word, let's pause for one moment of prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning and great is your faithfulness, O God. We thank you for this time that we can come and gather to worship. We pray for Rick, give him peace and clarity in his thoughts. We ask for wisdom for him and we offer the words that he has prepared as a space for you to work through. We pray for ourselves as well. We come from many different kinds of weeks. Some of us feel close to you. Some of us feel far away. But we deeply, deeply desire to meet you in this time. So we ask that you would come and that you would speak to us. Please change us by your grace so that we come to reflect Jesus more in this time. Amen. Thank you. So turning your Bibles. It is page 213, I believe. Samson is covered in four chapters in Judges, Judges 13, 14, 15, 16. So there's a lot of material today. Um, I know I've been accused sometimes of going fast up here, and well today I'm going to do that, at least for the first half. Um, what I want to do without reading all of that is go through Samson's life, because to get the whole picture of Samson, I think we need to go through. So we will read four separate scripture passages, all in Judges. First passage will be in Judges one, uh, Judges 13, I'm sorry, verses one through five. So that's Judges 13, 1 through 5. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man named Zorah, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless. But you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines." Skip ahead to the last two verses of chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 24. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was with Manana, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtael. We start off verse 1. We see the sin cycle. We've seen it in Judges. Israel has been in captivity for 40 years. The sin cycle. Sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance, and peace. And we like to rail on the Israelites for staying in this cycle. But at least for me, I'm guilty of this in my own life. Getting back to the text, we read the angel of the Lord came to the, uh, Manoah's wife. We don't know her name. It's not captured in Scripture. They actually asked for a confirmation. The husband actually asked for a confirmation of this, and they actually get a confirmation. The angel of the Lord comes a second time to the husband and the wife. They were looking for more data and more intel. They wanted to know, God, can you explain a little bit more? What are we supposed to do with this boy? They get no more data or intel, but they do get a second confirmation from the Lord. And we read the last couple of verses we read in chapter 12, in 13, 24 and 25, that the Spirit of the Lord started to work on Samson. I said Samson is a conundrum because we have that four times, actually, we'll see today. The Spirit of the Lord comes on Samson. But they hardly make sense. <laughs> so we're going to get to that. Samson is set apart from birth, from prior to birth with a Nazarite vow. Samson is not supposed to drink fermented drinks. Samson is not supposed to touch anything unclean. Samson is not supposed to have, as we all know from Sunday school, his head or his cut. I know I'm going fast. We gotta, I want to... Hopefully stay with me. Uh, in the notes, if you're a note taker, uh, I broke it down into four points. Samson early, Samson prime, and in the notes I put lust. You can cross that out. It really should be sin and then Samson death. So I want to look at Samson through those four lenses, if you will. Uh, Samson in his prime. Samson wants a wife. We, Samson wants, the, they're oppressed by the Philistines. Samson sees a Philistine woman that he wants. If you read, actually, let's read the text in Judges 14, 1 through 4. Judges 14, 1 through 4. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. Verse 4, His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at the time they were ruling over Israel. Samson wants a wife. He chooses a Philistine. Exodus, 30, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 7 forbids the Israelites from marrying other. I shouldn't say races. The, reason, the purpose of this is to, mar- is to marry people from other faiths so they don't get pulled away from God. Same reason we counsel people today. Christians should marry Christians. Samson chooses a Philistine. The very people that are oppressing Israel for a wife. We will get back to verse 4. On the way to visit his new bride-to-be, Samson runs into a young lion, and he tears it to shreds. Tears a young lion to shreds like it's a goat. Spirit of the Lord came on Samson. Samson tells no one of this. Nobody knows that Samson ripped a lion to shreds. Samson goes to his wedding feast, Seven days, by most accounts, is how long this lasts. We see the beginnings now of Samson with a little bit of pride and arrogance. Samson likes to play games. He tells a riddle to the bridegroom party. The riddle goes back to the story about the lion. Only Samson knows the answer. No one else on earth. They guess, and they guess for a couple, three days. Finally, Samson's wife says, Will you tell me the answer to the riddle? So Samson does. She rats him out. She tells the bridegroom party the answer to the riddle. The the penalty is Samson's own doing. Samson now has to provide 30 garments, 30 robes, because somebody solved the riddle. Walmart's not open. Samson leaves the bridal party. The spirit of the Lord comes on Samson, and he kills 30 men on his own. There's his 30 robes, takes them back to the wedding party, puts them down, and he leaves. He goes home. He's done now. He's mad. He goes back to his father's house. Samson, a couple days later, goes back to the bridal party, wants his wife. The dad has given the bride away to one of the groomsmen. Are you following me? She's not his wife anymore. She's been given away. Think Samson was mad before? Now Samson's really mad. Samson leaves town. Oh, sorry. Went went before that. Samson catches 300 foxes. Anybody here tried to catch a fox? I have. I've not caught one. I've tried. There's that little Facebook page with foxes in town, right? I live in Tremont. I have a fenced yard. Once in a while, these foxes come to my yard. I don't want them in my yard. Wildlife in town for me, I don't want it. I've got a garden. I've got landscaping. Um, So I've blocked the hole. He's got an entry and an exit on each side of my fence. I've filled those in. He just digs new ones. So when I chase him away, he just goes straight out that hole. I don't get close to that fox. You might say the fox outfoxed me. Samson catches 300 foxes. He ties their tails together And then he lights something on their tails and they go through the fields and they destroy the olives, the olive uh, harvest, the grain harvest, and um, the vineyard. Are you following me now? This is fairy tale stuff except for this happened. 300 pairs of foxes caused an inordinate amount of damage to the harvest. On fire, the foxes just caused an inordinate amount of damage. Now the Philistines are mad. Samson has killed 30 men. Samson has destroyed a significant amount of harvest, significant amount of financial incurred on the Philistines. They're mad. So Samson runs and hides in Judah. Staying with me still? We're almost done with this. Samson runs and hides in Judah. The Philistines come. They're looking for a fight. They want Samson. 3,000 men from Judah, Samson's tribe. Samson's tribe, his kinfolk go to him. That's how many men they took his to Samson. 3000 men from Judah. And they said, "Dude, we got a problem. The Philistines want you." And Samson, for whatever reason says, "You know what? We're not going to have bloodshed here. Just turn me over to the Philistines. Just turn me over to the Philistines. I'll take care of it." So they bind him up with two new ropes. And they arrange a meeting and they take him and give him over to the Philistines. And the spirit of the Lord comes on Samson. And in King James parlance, he found the jawbone of an ass and slew 1,000 men therewith. 1,000 men. Now, this is a miracle beyond him just slaying a thousand men. Surely, to goodness, the five guys he's fighting right in front of him, somebody could have snuck behind and stuck a sword in his back. Inordinate strength, yes. Samson slew a thousand Philistines. One on a thousand. The Spirit of the Lord. And then, rather matter-of-factly, at the last verse of Judges 15, it says, And Samson led and judged Israel. For 20 years. Samson. Sin. So Samson, we have a Philistine wife who betrayed him. His next foray with women is a prostitute. Again, I find no redeeming feature in Samson. Samson actually doesn't spend the night, the entire night, with the prostitute. After the business has been concluded, he leaves in the middle of the night. The Philistines were trapping him. On the way out of town, he tears the city gates apart. Next step for Samson. Wife betrayed him. Prostitute. Let's try another Philistine woman. Let's read uh, chapters, Judges 16, actually, let's go back there. Samson chooses, let's stay there for a second, give you a little f- feedback here. Samson chooses Delilah. You know that name from Sunday school. The Philistines now have an ability to trap Samson. They're mad. At least 1,030 dead Philistines and significant financial damage with the crops. Hey, Delilah, you get his secret We'll pay you. Now, what gets lost in Scripture, I think, is Delilah is bribed with silver coins. We'll get to that in a minute. 28 pounds of silver per ruler. Most people would tell you there's at least five rulers. This is thousands of dollars, not in today's currency, in her currency. She is bribed with an insane amount of money let alone the fame and fortune that would come from being the person that turned Samson over. Judges 16, I'm almost done talking on this topic. You probably know the story from Sunday school. Delilah tries to coax the secret out of Samson. Samson, again, we see the games, we see the pride, Samson tells Delilah three lies, three things. If you tie me up with fresh thongs, animal bow springs or intestines, sometimes we use them to capture sausage. If you tie me up with those, I'll lose all my strength. doesn't work. If you tie me up with new ropes, we saw new ropes. It didn't work in Judges 15, 13. I'll lose all my strength. Samson's playing games. If you braid my hair into a loom, We're getting a little closer to the truth. I'll lose all my strength. Each time, each time Delilah tries what Samson said, note that, each time she tries it, each time with Philistines at the ready, men hiding in the closet, ready to take Samson, if indeed what he said is true. Each time, a trap. Is this man thinking clearly? Three times he tells her a lie. Three times she tries it. Three times she sets the trap with the Philistines in the room. And Samson's solution is to tell her the truth. Samson's solution, after being set up three times, is to come out with the truth? How dumb is this man? Seriously, how dumb is this man? I suggest to you that sin blinds. Sin blinds. It actually dulls all of your senses. You don't see, you don't hear wise counsel. Sin blinds all of your senses. And pride? Pride puffs up. And pride comes when? Pride comes before the fall. And make no mistake, folks, Satan is exceedingly good at his craft. Exceedingly good at his craft. Let's read that sin costs in Judges 16, 18 through 23. Judges 16, 18, when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off his seven braids and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. Then she called Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. But the hair on his head began to grow back again after it had been shaved. Sin costs, folks. Samson could not break himself free like he'd done every other time. They gouged out his eyes. I don't even like to say that. Can you imagine that? They gouged out his eyes. How do we fall into sin? Samson fell into sin. How do we fall into sin? I can handle it, God. I can handle it. Oh, it's just a little bit. It's just a little bit. I'll tell you how we fall into sin. One foot in front of the other. That's how I've fallen into sin. God, how did I get here? How did I get so far gone? How did Samson get so far gone? One foot in front of the other. And sin costs because God is holy. God doesn't tolerate it. Sin costs because God is holy. How did Samson get there? Did you guys sing this song in Sunday school growing up? I'll let just let you read it. It's real, folks. That's not just for kids. That's for us. Be careful. Be careful. Robbie Zacharias, Mark Driscoll, James McDonald, etc., etc, etc. How'd they get there? Be careful. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Samson, in death, judges 16, 25 through 30. Judges 16, 25 through 30. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Samson is grinding grain in the prison to Dagon, Philistine's grain deity. You can chalk this up under God is not mocked. Samson is now a circus act. After the wine and the beer has been flowing, get Samson out. Have him perform for us. Samson's a circus act. O oh, sovereign Lord, Samson prays. One last time. The last judge. The only judge, by the way, that was conquered. The only judge that was captured. 3,000 men and women plus die with Samson. Samson also. 3,000. Lesson. I want to go back to 14.4. There's a verse and a topic I probably didn't want to address, but it's paramount to this text and paramount to our life. In verse 14.4. 14.4 reads, His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. Why am I going back here? Because Samson was not acting in God's will. This was not some revelation that Samson had from God. Say, break the rules, marry a Philistine. This is a really good idea. Incorrect. You say, where am I going with this? I like how Dallas Seminary phrases it. I'll let you read it for a moment. So Rick's getting heretical up here now. What are you talking about, Rick? This is not the first time we've seen this in Scripture. Joseph's brothers, what did Joseph say? You meant this for evil, and God used it for good. So what am I saying? Are you tracking with me? I am suggesting to you that Samson was not acting in God's will, but it got used for good by God. Do we see this again in Scripture? Most significantly, we see it. Crucify him. Crucify him crucify him, my voice calling out among the scoffers. Folks, where am I going with this? God is sovereign. God is sovereign. We sung about it, and this is so powerful to me because God is not a license to sin. I don't want you to misunderstand me before I go any further. This is not a license to sin. Well, if God is sovereign and he's gonna accomplish his will, we can do whatever we want. That is inaccurate. You already forgot that sin costs But where are we going with this? God needs not, nor seeks not, the perfect. And it's sure a good thing, because he wouldn't find it. God is sovereign. I can't understand everything that happened in Scripture. This is not a license to sin. But God used Samson's bad decisions to accomplish his purpose. And thank goodness he did, because what if he only could accomplish his purpose through perfect people? Folks, God is sovereign over all. And you say, but I can't, God, I'm not perfect. If you only knew what I've done, folks, there is no excuse not to serve. There is no excuse not to serve. I think of Vic Slaughter, who passed recently. I knew Nick Vic a little bit, not extremely well, but I can tell you this Vic wasn't perfect. God didn't seek a perfect man, and God took an imperfect man, couple, some people from here and some people from other, and he took them across this planet and translated <coughs> translated the Bible, and there will be a new tribe and a new tongue in heaven because of imperfect people serving God. God is sovereign. If you're not a Christian and you're thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not perfect, that's not how it works. Today is the day. If you are a Christian and you're thinking, I can't believe how far I've fallen. God is sovereign. Today is the day for repentance. How far gone was Samson? Samson was set apart from birth. Samson was set apart prior to birth by his mother. The strongest man to ever live. He's now powerless. He is imprisoned. He's blind. He's grinding grain for a false God and he's a comedy exhibit. And you say, I'm too far gone for God. If you're not a Christian, you're not too far gone from God. You can't get past his love. You can't go too far. Now's the time for repentance. If you are a Christian and say, I can't believe how far I've fallen into sin. I can't believe how far I've gone. You're not too far gone for God. Not for his love ever today is the day for repentance you're not too far gone pun intended you'd have to be somewhat blind to not see some similarities with Jesus and Samson let's look at those quickly miraculous birth impressive miracles miracles Conquering heroes. Betrayed for silver. Both judges. Samson, a victorious death. Similar to Jephthah, the agony of victory. Samson died. Samson goes out with a bang though, doesn't he? That's our childhood story. That's the Sunday school story. Samson goes out with a bang and Samson kills more in death than he did in life. Killed thousands. Killed thousands in life, he killed more in death. Hebrews 11, 32, 33. Samson is there administering justice, conquering kingdoms. We're going to close with a song. The worship team is going to come up. Jesus is not, I'm going to say it backwards, Jesus is not agony of victory. Jesus is victory through agony. Jesus is victory through agony. The cross is a, tor- is a tool of torture. It's simply a slow suffocation. Jesus' agony came before the victory. A man beaten virtually within an inch of his life. A man hanging on a cross, gasping for every last breath. Samson goes out with a bang, Jesus goes out with a whimper. Or did he? Or did he? When Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, that might have been a whimper humanly. That was not a whimper. Jesus paid the price for all that sin that cost. Jesus went out, Jesus willingly gave up his life. The cross didn't kill him, Jesus gave his life for us. And similar to Samson, Accomplishing more in death than in life. Samson killed thousands. Jesus saved millions in death. Jesus saved millions in death. Samson, what can we get out of it? Sin costs, and God is sovereign. But Jesus paid the price. We are only complete in him. God bless. Thank you.